You can spend $3,500 on Apple's new VR headset, or you can give it to us and get a lot of bonus episodes. Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. Today we are talking about Blizzard's Diablo 4, a new game in which you click, click, click your way to glory, lots of cool loot, and some gross atmosphere. I'm Jason Schreier. I'm Kirk Hamilton. And I'm Maddie Myers. Hello. Hey, hello there. It's us. It is. It's us. Welcome back for another episode. Hope you guys were able to stop click, click, clicking your way through Sanctuary <laughs> long enough to join us for this episode. Hey, they Actually, can still be clicking. You can listen to a podcast true. and play. It's a good we, podcast game. <laughs> it is a good podcast game. Today we're going to be talking about Diablo, um, but first we should tell everybody a little bit about how we make this show possible. Kirk, Maddie, yeah. did you guys know that we are entirely supported by listeners like you two? Uh, you two <laughs> like count as two listeners, right? Yes, I am actually a Maximum Fun member, so I do. I there do you count. go. Yeah, we I are am entirely <laughs> listener supported by listeners like you two. We yeah. are a member of the Maximum Fun Network, which means that we uh, fund our podcast through memberships. And if you become a member today by going to maximumfun.org slash join, you will help us make this show possible and you'll also get some cool stuff because we do monthly bonus episodes for our members if you become a member today you will get access to the one we just ran which was a truly chaotic episode <laughs> where the three of us played a, a debating game called it debatable really and we argued over things like uh whether mac and cheese should be eaten with a fork mm-hmm. or a spoon um mm-hmm. whether whether uh the savvy traveler should sit in the aisle seat or the window seat um, mm-hmm. Another and some video, video game, game related, related questions. Yeah. yeah, and actually, <laughs> listeners will get to pick the winner of that because the last question is up for a vote that we will mm-hmm. reveal the answer to that on this coming on the next uh, bonus, bonus episode. episode. Okay, yes, I was wondering. I asked month. you the other day, and I didn't. You, I don't think you responded, right? Like, well, yeah, we don't, yeah. we don't know. We don't know. I don't okay. know. We don't know. We no the voting, okay, the votes are still coming in. Votes We're going to count every <laughs> vote. Okay. Cool. We're going to count every vote until the June bonus episode goes up, and then voting will be And closed. then we'll stop cool. counting the votes. And can we Great. announce? I think we can announce this month's episode because we, we already did already. Know we, it. Said we did. It last we week. said it last oh, week. Oh, we did. But okay. Well, this month we are doing a succession. Beans Cast, Spoiler Cast, will be talking mm-hmm. about the TV show on HBO Succession, which we are all big fans of. It's really just um, going to be a 30 minute loop of the succession theme music. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With no one God. talking. Which, by the way, is so. Every time I listen to it, I just think of the Oberdin theme music because they're really? so similar. I think of Demi Adejuibe singing Kiss from Daddy. (laughs) 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 Also, very good. Uh, Very good. And also that video of the M&M's. You guys. Yeah, that uh, M&M's video. I watch Mm. that every few months when I'm feeling down. It's a great video. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, become a member today. Help us make the show possible. Go to MaximumFun.org slash join. And also, before we get into this show, a big old happy Pride Month to everybody out Yay! there. Yeah, It's June! Loud and proud. Happy uh, Pride, yes. everyone. All of us, a triple click. I think... Happy I, Pride, everybody. I think we're... we're uh, I don't think we have the bandwidth right now to make a rainbow version of the triple click logo, but, <laughs> but imagine that we did. Imagine, imagine it. Imagine, imagine it in your heart. Imagine that hearts. we did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um... And yeah, that's it. So, Maddie, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Diablo 4. Oh, man. <laughs> the Rise of Lilith. That's not the subhead, except in my heart, <laughs> because I'm kind of rooting mm-hmm. for her. I haven't finished the story yet, but 
I'm on her side so far. I pretty much was as soon as I saw her, and uh, that might be true for the entire rest of the campaign. We'll see. Uh, so, <laughs> this is a very pride-themed discussion. Yes, we yeah. immediately start with Maddie it talking is, about Lola. You know, demonic entities, are they maybe fine? Like, Christianity has some problems, thinking about it. Um, Diablo... <laughs> It's portrayal of Christianity is hilarious. We're going to get into it. Well, it's, it's not be really fun. Christianity. Right? I know it's, it's really it's not. Sort of it's alt Christianity. Fan fiction of the Bible. Is that fair to say? It's very mm. different from anything that happens in biblical canon, quote unquote. I don't know how to. Is the word canon fair to say? Guys, I'm a Unitarian Universalist. I don't know how to describe these things. <laughs> Anywho, uh, this well, if game... You write, if you write Bible <laughs> fan fiction, it's not part of canon. And right. really, well, so Jews believe that the Old Testament is the only canon, is, is, and the New Testament yes, is all fan is fiction. Well, when Disney right. launched the New Testament, they actually said that all the Old Testament is no longer canon. Right. They got it's rid of it, which upset right. a lot of people it, who yeah. were very invested in that, in that part of the canon. And some people are still devoted to it to this day. Yeah, that was a major acquisition. Uh-huh. Well, I really enjoyed Disney's uh, what if biblical version where it's like, That's what true. If? That was a little bone they threw to the fans. I what think if God did impart the, the right. Red Sea? Yeah, totally. I just like the crossovers, you know? It's like when Marvel and DC work together and like when all the religions work together. Guys, mm. is this what we're going to talk about for the whole episode? Maybe, but let's talk about Diablo 4 a little bit because I've been playing it and I've been having sure. a great time uh, talking about it with my pals. Um, So I'll just say... I've played a few hours and maybe like level 16. Wish I was further because I hear once you get to level 25, you get to unlock the ability to alter legendary weapons by unaffixing uh, uh, affect, I think it's called, aspect. Aspect. Mm-hmm. That's what they call it. Wow, you're like starting out talking about the game and you're already into aspects. I know, let's, I'm let's... getting so heady and who cares because okay. I am a mere basic basic lowercase g gamer who simply enjoys the clicking of it all. Uh, So I'm playing as a barbarian. I've played a ton with some friends. I'm not sure if you two have tried the multiplayer yet, Um, but I'm enjoying it so far. We did all play the beta and playing this beginning of the game. There's a lot of similarity to what we already played in the beta, but I'm past that now. And I have some more thoughts on the deeper thing, but not yet at the end game. All right. So if you, if this is your first time hearing about Diablo and you aren't thinking about Satan. This is a video game uh, called Diablo, and it's the fourth one, but uh, it's it's pretty much... You don't have to care about the story. You don't need to know who Lilith is unless you're, unless you're me. Uh, this is mostly a game about seeing adorable, isometrically viewed dioramas of the most horrifying, gory things in the universe, uh, and you click on them, be they undead skeletons, demons, or perhaps angels who aren't quite what they seem. It's an ARPG is what people call it, action RPG. When did that become a, a way of shortening action RPG? Everybody's saying ARPG now. It's cool. Arpeja. It's hip. Arpe- Arpeja. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so it's an ARPG, and it's isometric, as we said. Uh, and this is also a game that, at least historically, is uh, benefited by playing it over and over again. I would say that's been a pretty key part of past Diablo games and something that I would expect to come up in our conversation about Diablo 4, whether it rewards replayability and loot gathering and grinding. That loop of, of gathering loot and grinding for new levels is supposed to be what's fun in this game, but it's also a pretty hard thing to fine tune in a game like this. Uh, so I, I have only played as a barbarian so far in terms of the character class I chose and haven't completed that main mainline campaign yet, but I remember 
playing and replaying past Diablos and skipping every cutscene because I already knew them all and all I cared about was clicking on stuff and getting more weapons and loot and leveling up and seeing the numbers get bigger. Uh, so Kirk, Jason, as fellow Destiny addictives at one time, <laughs> we're going to get into let it. Me, we're going to talk let loot. Me give we're going to talk bit. about loot. Yeah, we should talk. We should all talk about like how much we played so far. But let me give a little bit of historical context here because I think it's really helpful when it comes to understanding why this game the way is the way it is, and just a little bit of insight in terms of especially the gore you just mentioned, Maddie. So Diablo originally started. It's made by Blizzard Entertainment. Diablo Four is made by Blizzard Entertainment. But the first two games, which were released in 1996 and then 2000 respectively, were actually made by an entirely different company called Blizzard North, which is in San Francisco. The real the the proper blizzard main blizzard is in irvine california which is about 400 miles south um and what happened was blizzard north shut down and diablo 3 which was in development at the time 2005 moved to blizzard south but there was always this kind of weird tension between blizzard north and blizzard south and a lot of it was over the way diablo looked blizzard south was always very much like about cartoony graphics and about world of warcraft style with like big exaggerated shoulder pads and like a lot of light things, a lot of kind of lightheartedness and humor. Whereas Blizzard North was always about dark, 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 gritty, gritty, gritty. And there were a lot of arguments always about like Blizzard North wanting to go super lurid and gross and gory and sexual and Blizzard North not wanting that. And then with Diablo 3, when Blizzard South took it over, they kind of went in the other extreme and they made it pretty lighthearted, pretty cartoony. Um, they actually had to change the art style a couple times over the course of development and got some, some blowback from fans. And then after Diablo 3 came out and some people weren't big fans of that, they decided to go the extreme opposite direction, which is why we have this new Diablo 4. It's made by a lot of new people, a lot of people who haven't tradition been at Blizzard for a while, um, who just came in over the past five, six years. And it is a game that is extremely dark, extremely gory, extremely like from the beginning, you are knocked out cold and placed on a slab and and just told that that things are grim here. Things are really dark and bloody and gory here. Um, so with that context, we are entering this new game that is trying to kind of emulate some of that gore of the past. Mm -hmm. It's really splorchy. That's how I've been describing the blood. Splorchy. There's a lot of like strawberry well jam put. splorches and everything else is like gray and brown. Yeah, uh, it's very bleak. It's enjoyably <laughs> bleak. I was There's a the sort of second main area after the frozen area. The act mm -hmm. two area is this it's basically a land of mud where it never stops raining. And there are people who live there, and you're helping them. They live in towns, they have farms, and they're sitting there on their farms working, and their children are learning how to work the farm. And it's like, okay, so you just live in a mud rain world where you till crops, I guess, that somehow grow in the dark rain. There's a, I had a conversation for a side quest with a guy who said I, something along the lines of, well... There's the goat men who keep attacking the brutal, horrible, unstoppable goat men. And, well, spiders have taken over the fields nearby. But, you know, we farmers, we're hardy sort. We, we make it work. And I was like, okay, I guess you are living your life here in this in this horrible place, which everybody in this world seems to be doing. Well, it's so yeah. funny. It's like you play World of Warcraft and you're like, I wish I could go to some of these places. <laughs> and then you play Diablo 4 and you're like, I never, ever want to go here. Ever. Never. Get me away from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and yet it's a world that we're supposed to want to spend a lot, a lot of time in. And well, I mean, I don't want to be a tourist, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm having a great time just running around blowing stuff up. It's uh, sort of like you said, it's lurid. It's a fun place to visit because it's so appealingly awful. I find uh -huh. the the overall just bleakness, the kind of 
just dour tone, the way everyone is so hopeless, to be really compelling. I, I'm really enjoying the tone of the game. Okay, well, keep going on that. What are, what are you playing as that's blowing stuff up? Oh, I'm playing as a sorcerer. So yeah, I've played um, I've played a lot. Um, we just finished a move, and I've been sort of slowly setting up in a new house, and it's kind of a good a good time to play a game like Diablo since you can kind of turn your brain off and just blast through it, unlike Zelda, which I've also been playing a lot of and requires so much creativity. The games are almost polar opposites in terms of how they engage my brain, so I'm finding Diablo to to be kind of a nice thing to play. So I played a lot over the weekend um, in between bouts of unpacking. I am playing as a sorcerer. We should say we're all three playing on early access codes that were provided by Blizzard, and we all have just been playing during the early access period. And actually, we're recording this a day early, so at some point, the servers are going to go live for everyone, and we're going to see if this game is a debacle at launch like Diablo 3 was, or if it goes well. But so far, my experience has been great. I've had no problems getting online and playing. The game runs great for me and looks great for me. So that's how it's been in early access. And um, I'll probably bing my way in here just to give a loose report on how the launch has been so far, though even that'll be incomplete, since of course, these things are usually like a, a very long process. Bing! As promised, as invoked, you could say. Here I am, Kirk, in the future, editing the episode, uh, here to chime in a little bit about how the launch has been going. So I'm recording this now on Wednesday. So the game has been live for, I guess, 24 hours, a little bit more than that. And I've played a little bit more on PC, and it's actually been going okay. My sense is that the launch is, is going okay. It's not perfect. It's not flawless. People are having some issues. I definitely noticed some more latency when I was playing the game, just sometimes that weird rubber banding thing where you're kind of the game stops and then it moves really fast to catch up to where it was or uh, some kind of hanging where I'm trying to fast travel into a town. I don't know, things like that. But I've been able to get on. I've been able to play. It's basically working. I get the sense that's kind of how it's been for most people, if not everybody. So not bad for a launch of a new online game. Uh, this is this is definitely not the debacle that Diablo 3 was. So yeah, um, you know, it kind of remains to be seen how it'll play out over the next week, but that's how things are going so far. And also, Maddie wanted me to tell you all that she has switched from a barbarian to a rogue and is having a really good time as a rogue, which is something we'll talk about a little bit later as well, where she wasn't loving playing as a barbarian. So that is a little update on how Maddie's doing. Okay, that's all for now. Uh, back to the show. So anyways, yeah, I've, I've played um, a lot. I'm, I finished Act 2 and I'm into Act 3. I just got to the sort of Act 3 area. I've done a lot of side quests. I've blown up a lot of stuff. And um, I am now having a really good time. I was, I was stuck at the beginning trying to choose between playing a rogue, which is the class that I played in the beta. When we talked about the beta, I talked about it some there. But it's a mixed melee ranged um, class where you can you have a lot of mobility. You're a little bit squishy. You can really do damage, and you can kind of at, you can make enemies vulnerable. That's kind of your thing. So if you do an attack right, they become very susceptible to damage. So they're a very useful part of a squad. They they pair really well with other like more damage dealing classes like a sorcerer or barbarian. So I really liked that, and I played the demon hunter in Diablo three, which was similar. So I've played that class a lot. And this time around, I just wanted to try a sorcerer because it seemed fun. I, every video I'd ever seen of a sorcerer was just like the whole screen exploding. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try that. So for a minute, I was kind of going back and forth between a rogue and a sorcerer, and I couldn't decide. And sorcerer just wasn't that fun for a little while. And then I unlocked a couple of abilities that really just had it all 
gel together and a couple of those synergies started to work. And it was really cool. Like I, I just snapped into having a great time. And that's kind of, it's a really cool thing about how the classes are designed in this game that I guess we can get into that you unlock a sort of series of abilities and then you make your build by kind of combining different abilities that synergize well with one another and then figuring out a way to play where they all are kind of popping off and, and enhancing one another. So while it is possible to play the game in a just like clicky, clicky, boom, boom kind of way, like you described, Maddie, I'm finding the game to be a more thoughtful experience, at least for me. And I should say I'm playing on World Tier 2, which is a little bit harder. But I am, mm-hmm. I'm finding it to be like kind of, it's not like really involved. It's nothing like Zelda, but I am kind of constantly strategizing and like re- retooling my build and having a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's also a dodge button now. I mean, that alone at least changes how I play as a barbarian since it's entirely up close combat and melee based attacks and everything. So I am really thinking a lot about positioning, but it's not, you're making me feel like I should try a sorcerer. Maybe I'll do that before the next time we talk about Diablo. It's fun. I mean, I think they're all fun. I gather that Barbarian and Druid are really good from level 50 to level 100. Like, they're really great for endgame. And Sorcerer and Rogue, I think, level the best and are the most, like, kind of easiest to work with in the early levels. This is just what I've seen online. I haven't played all of them. Yeah. Um, but they're they're all, f- I think they're all pretty fun, like, if you're going to play the game long term. And, and it's also pretty easy to have alts. And once I think once you've beaten... The, the you're in the end game with one character, it becomes a lot easier to level up subsequent alts. Mm-hmm. So Jason, what did you pick character wise this time? Yeah, I'm playing as a sorcerer also, and I'm doing like yeah. a frost a frost build, which, uh, as Kirk said, has a lot of cool synergy, and it's fun to experiment with. The, uh, the abilities already are just so much better than Diablo three system because Diablo three system you could just kind of mix and match any time, and it didn't really matter what you were doing; you were just watching mm-hmm. effects pop up on the screen. And here, as Kirk pointed out, there's a lot more thought involved. Unfortunately, I have not gotten super far. I'm like not even finished with act one i'm like level 12 and the reason well there are two reasons for that one is that i have gotten another game on my hands that i'm not allowed to talk about but we'll be talking about it again in a couple weeks and that has taken up a lot of my time but the other more pertinent reason is that the game keeps friggin crashing for me on my computer and it's such a bummer because it runs smoothly everything the frame rate is great the performance is great and then it just will randomly Mm. crash every five minutes every 10 minutes like and i've tried all these solutions that i've googled online like changing file like configuration pieces like different uh toggles and whatnot and nothing has worked obviously my drivers are updated and it's just it's just doesn't work so not good i'm gonna wait until that's fixed or until i can really fix it before i spend too much more time in the game but i'm into what i've played so far when it's not crashing i should throw out there that i've actually played a bit of this on steam deck you can run this via lutris which runs um battle.net on steam deck and it plays pretty good like it's not a you know doesn't look as good or run as smooth as on pc but it does run on steam deck which is cool because it's the game really lends itself to handheld play yeah i mean if i'm gonna play a handout game at this point it's gonna be zelda um i'm hoping that <laughs> okay yeah, i mean i'm that game is i mean i'm like 80 hours into that game and i want to still want to see every inch of the world and play every side quest which is like i've never experienced that before in all right all right we talked about zelda a lot um, let's let's <laughs> keep it yeah, on the I, was about to say, I was about to switch focus well what i was gonna say is that um that uh, I'm going on a trip to LA for the next week or so for Summer Games Fest, aka I cannot believe it's I can't believe it's not E3. Um, and uh, <laughs> when I get back, hopefully Diablo Four is fixed for me. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, I haven't 
seen that as like a widespread thing. Like it seems like the game is actually technically pretty good for a lot of people, which is cool. Like I've I've been impressed at least on my end with how polished I mean, it's been for me. You also, as you pointed out a few minutes ago, it's still in early access. Like a lot of people don't have yes. it yet. And I mm-hmm. I've googled the error message that I have, and yes, other people are running into it also, and they're like suggested solutions, and those are the ones that have not worked for me. All the suggested solutions. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just too early to say too much definitive about the experience, though. Yeah, like I said, my experience is it's cool like how polished blizzard games are there are a lot of really nice little details and touches the loading screens are great there are this it's this kind of looming door that you mm-hmm. slowly move toward and it's just there's a lot of stuff like that where i'm describing it, it doesn't sound that cool but when you actually <laughs> notice what they're no, doing it's, it's really cool and yeah there's a lot of little flourishes ui flourishes there's so much detail and care that's been put into the game that i i do just think makes for a nice experience overall it feels like very handmade and curated in a way that uh, that i appreciate mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think, since you're the furthest, Kirk, about just the the difference in terms of it's not as procedurally generated as Diablo's past in the sense that it's an open world game and the open world is what it is. But then mm-hmm. when you get inside of dungeons, apparently there is some sort of minimal procedural generation, like slight yeah. variations among those areas. Although, of course, there will be certain static arenas where it's like this is the boss arena this is that's what it's going to look like for everybody or quest line related objective points that will also look the same which i think is leading most people to be like this is the least procedurally generated diablo and and for some that's interesting and some not but we talked about it a little in the beta so i'm curious for your thoughts at this point for me at least it's it's not um you know the the game is basically just corridors and open areas i mean you're kind of moving down a little corridor through the woods and then you're in a kind of open field and there's a bunch of goat men there and you blow them up and then you move into a couple of different corridors and if you look at the map it's just corridors and then open blobs connected by corridors and Mm -hmm. there's like it's cool that it's all hand drawn like or handmade like the art is all handmade and so you'll be in an area where there's like this cool kind of desiccated church with like chunks of cement everywhere and like a weird altar that's been built in the middle but a lot of it just feels kind of like okay i'm just sort of moving through the world and fighting things like it has that same diablo feel so I don't know what I make of the open world. Um, the dungeons all do kind of feel the same aside from the uh, main story dungeons, which are cooler, though it's still just a series of corridors that you move through. And then you'll get to a locked door and you need to go down the two side corridors to get the two runestones that you need to put in the door to open the door. I mean, it's it's all that kind of design. Like you're just doing the same thing over and over again. The variety for me really has been in the combination of abilities and sort of character crafting and figuring out efficient ways to fight um you know to fight enemies that's that's kind of where i've been really engaged the exploration and movement is it's just sort of areas that i'm moving through they're really amazing looking and the art is wonderful but the actual design of the spaces uh, isn't that exciting which has always been the case for diablo i mean diablo 2 which is really considered the pinnacle of the series um at least up until this point we'll see what happens with 4 um the procedural generation was kind of irrelevant and there were some parts of the game just like now there were some parts of the game that were static that were always the same some um, um, certain levels w- would always look the same. Like you'd get to X level of a dungeon and it would always be the same, or you'd get to X town and it would always be the same. Um, and it was really just the the loot collection and the character building that was the most interesting part, which is really the loop that you have to you have to get right in in a game like this. 
Yes, I should say like yeah, I'm not that's not a criticism. I don't care. Like it's I'm I'm getting exactly what this game wants me to get out of it and I'm finding that really appealing. It's very cool how the different abilities work with one another. I played Diablo 3 but I never got super into it or I don't know, maybe that's its its own kind of criticism of the game because it I was never that enticed to do it and it was I don't remember how easy it was to respec. I think it was maybe very easy. Remind me, Jason. I know you've met, you know exactly how this works, right? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even respecking. The way it worked right. was you had each of your ability slots and each of them could be modified with like these different modifiers and then you could you could switch the spells. So like let's say you were playing Wizard, I think it was called. You could switch from your fireball to your frost spell and then you could equip a different modifier for each one. So you could right, experiment okay, a lot I'm of different that. ways. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of possibilities and permutations, but there was no stakes and it didn't feel like it felt like you were just kind of creating this menagerie of abilities and it didn't matter what your build was in the way that it did in D2 and now does in D4. Yeah, so to get a little granular on it, just to talk about the sorcerer builds that I've been playing with, because I think the specifics are kind of where this gets cool. Um, For a while, I was playing a sorcerer build with a ranged... So you kind of have your free attack that doesn't cost anything. Then your second tier is your... I don't remember what they're called, but they're core abilities, I think. That is what they're called. And those use mana, so you only have a limited amount of mana. It's constantly recharging. So first, you can just cast your kind of basic attacks, um, and then you upgrade. For me, it's chain lightning is really good because it sort of sparks from enemy to enemy. It's a very good... but you can't just cast it infinitely. So then the next thing is a defensive ability. So maybe you can teleport or maybe you can cast Frost Nova, which is like an explosion of frost that freezes everything around you and on higher levels like makes them vulnerable. Or I've been using this now is Frost Armor, which encases you in armor that protects you from a number of hits and also causes your mana to regenerate faster. Then you get a kind of a summon ability. So I summon these Hydra heads that shoot fire. They're super crucial and amazing. And then you get a kind of super ability. For me, it's electrical, like super Saiyan mode. I like just start (laughs) casting incredible, like just electricity exploding everywhere and just destroy everything. And that has a super long cooldown. So some things are on cooldown. Some things use mana. Some things don't use anything but are a little weaker. And then you modify them all. And crucially, you only have access to six of them at a time. So, you know, I'm playing with a controller. So I have the three face buttons, shoulder button, and the two triggers. And you can only assign that many abilities at once. So you have to kind of pick and choose which types of abilities you want to work. And that's where the build starts to come into play. The idea of designing a build where you have different abilities assigned that are going to play well with one another. And it's really cool how for a long time I was using Frost Nova, which I would let guys get kind of close to me, and then I'd freeze them all, they'd become vulnerable, then I'd summon a Blizzard, which is another great ability that kind of causes a bunch of ice to rain down from the sky. Then you kind of dodge back from them and start hitting them with ranged attacks and they all explode. Also, there are um, enchantments that sorcerers can do, where at level 15, you unlock the ability to take a spell and assign it as a passive ability. So if you put fireball in your passive ability, which I bet everybody playing a sorcerer out there listening to this did, it causes every enemy to explode when you kill them. And this was the point, actually, that I mentioned earlier, where the game became fun for me. It was, I think I got, I finally got a pretty good wand that was doing a little bit more damage, and I unlocked that ability, so it was right around level 15. And suddenly I had 
you know, I could like freeze all of these scrub enemies next to me, cast chain lightning, which would arc between all of them, and then they'd all explode. And the game just became like just explosion city. Like my screen is just like totally covered in explosions. And that's kind of because of the build that I'm going with. So yeah. switching from Frost Nova to Frost Armor was like a big change. And I kind of realized, oh, okay, and this like affects the gems I use. And I'm kind of like constantly tweaking uh, my build. And it's pretty cheap still to totally respec your character and just do it over. So it's all just been really fun to get into the weeds on this stuff. I'm surprised. So with the sorcerer, with that build you're talking about, I think if you freeze enemies and then you use like your other frost skills, they do more damage. I think that's how it works. I think mm-hmm. what I've gathered, uh, it's interesting that you're playing with like multiple elements because what I've gathered is that like the individual elements all work together really well. So if you stick with all the frost abilities, they'll they'll... Have synergy. That's true. It's designed that way, but it's not really like a lot of the abilities just affect cooldowns in general, or mm. a lot of abilities just affect critical strikes, and critical strikes come from Got you it. know different things. But I'm primarily electrical, but I'm finding that it's really fun to play with a little bit of fire, the Hydra heads, uh-huh, a little bit uh-huh. of ice, the ice armor, and the it's blizzard. Fun to play with a little fire, and like. Yeah, com- <laughs> it is. Combining all of those actually works really well. At first, I was oh, worried about cool. it. I was like, wait a minute, is the fire like canceling out the ice? But it doesn't uh-huh, really uh-huh, matter. Uh-huh. And in the end, the thing I've kind of found, I read a few build guides, but then I just go with abilities that are more fun. Like, How do people have build guides? It's been out for four days. Well, people played in early access and they know those do SEO, as I'm sure Maddie knows. Right, the reviewer, the reviewer period. Yeah, really, yeah. You can kind of just go with what's fun, especially in this part of the game. Like it doesn't uh-huh. really, it's never really that hard. So I'm kind of just like, well, I like having a ranged attack, even though I know the like lightning whip is better for some people. Like, but yeah. then I just switched to the lightning whip and that's actually fun too. So I'm really yeah. enjoying changing it up over and over. I think it's really smart what they did in that you can, you don't have to, or you you get free respects up to a certain level and then you have to pay uh gold is it you pay gold, gold. yeah but yeah. it's and it's not that much but it's not that much but it scales up right yeah, it gets more and more it expensive, gets more expensive the higher, the level, higher you level you get. It does, and you can pay to refund individual ability points, too. Right. So if you're just okay. like, ah, oh, I wish my primary ability wasn't, you know, the spark attack and instead was the fire attack, right. you can then just you go, do. like, choop and, like, pull those back. As long as it doesn't pull you back a node, whatever, it doesn't matter. You, you basically can do it without yeah. having to fully respec your character. Well, it's just a smart system, because Diablo 2, it was permanent. You couldn't take back your skill points once you use them. Diablo 3, like I said before, you could switch them at any time. This is a a good like middle point between mm-hmm. those two uh, extremes. Yeah. So Maddie, I want to hear more about how you're finding the game. You're playing a barbarian. How is it? I am, and y'all are really having me convinced I need to like just start over and do a sorcerer because I'm having a pretty different experience that is a lot more samey. And maybe this is just a side effect of playing as a barbarian, which classically like the slow, heavy melee characters are my favorite character class across pretty much any genre that I play as. And it's hard for me to adapt if I need to play as like a long range archer or something like that. It just, I don't know. It's not how I like to play games. How but Can I, you tell us how far you are? Oh, I, I'm like level 17 or something. I So I'm further than you, Jason. I don't remember what act I'm on. Probably two. <laughs> but I'm, I'm between you two. Uh, mm-hmm. So my the main thing I've noticed that we haven't really talked about that much yet is enemy scaling. And by that, I mean just the decision on the part of this game. And I'll admit, I don't really remember how it was in Diablo 3. I may have felt this way then, too. Um, so in Diablo 4, the enemies all scale with you. There are still places that are locked off like I might walk up to something and it we're not entirely locked off but sort of they'll warn you that maybe you aren't quite the high enough level yet like it'll be labeled like this is level 20 and up maybe you don't want to be here if you're level 17 Maddie but 
all the other enemies around the world are scaled up so that it's actually worthwhile, in theory, for me to fight any mob that I come across. But that's ended up giving me kind of a weird feeling about just walking around the world because I like it when the game feels a little broken sometimes. Like to me, that's part of what's fun about Diablo. When sometimes you go somewhere and you're just curb stomping guys or you get a new skill or a new weapon and it just feels like the game has completely shifted and you're like, oh my God, I'm so OP now, which is kind of what Kirk is describing in terms of just playing with his build. And I haven't quite had that experience yet. I'm not really noticing a huge difference when I level up, at least. I've found a couple weapons where I'm like, oh yeah, this is making a huge difference. But so far I'm feeling like it's mainly weapons that are making that difference and not my skill tree. This could be me though. I don't know. Well, and it could be where you're at. Like, because yeah. by like level 30, that's when you'll have unlocked those final nodes. And what I found right. with the Sorcerer is it really is transformative. Like, by the time I have all the nodes unlocked, like now the fact that I can like trigger this ultimate, basically warlock ultimate from Destiny 2, where I become like this cloud of lightning that just destroys everything. I mean, that alone is a really transformative ability that I didn't have until I was, I don't know, level. 20 something at least so like it could just be there's more stuff you unlocked and like i said i've seen people say that barbarian like whirlwind barbarian becomes super fun like way later like once you've unlocked a ton more abilities so maybe i just am in it for the long haul but kirk even in your experience don't you feel like it's kind of weird that everywhere you go enemies are at least as powerful as you like no matter no, what. No, I think it's I think it's fine. I mean, I've I've seen that. I mean, I was I've only played a little bit online with friends, but it does something really amazing where you you see enemies that are at your level no matter what level your friend is. So you can That's play correct. with your friends at any level, which yeah. is great and I think really fosters just jumping into someone's game and not having it be a big deal. So I think that's really clever. I I don't know. Like, I don't mind going back and doing stuff later and having it still be hard for me. I was doing a lot of side quests, which are pretty cool. They're all kind of the same, like go somewhere, kill some stuff. But mm-hmm. narratively, they're kind of I've, I'm enjoying them. It's all just a little generally bleak and sad story. And you kind of go help someone, but then it ends badly. But I started <laughs> skipping them just because um, I've seen enough people saying, well, finish the story and then you can do all those side quests. And if if it weren't the case, like if I leveled up super fast, like doing side quests, then right. it would be, you know, oh, well, I'm over leveled for the story missions and it's a walk in the park or the other way around. I finish the story and come back for the side quest. So these aren't even worth doing. They're no fun. Mm-hmm. So if that's the alternative, I actually am fine with the way that they've done it with level scaling. Yeah, yeah. it pretty much has to have level scaling because it's an open world. Like in the previous Diablo games, you were going in a pretty linear path. And so you were never going to run into enemies that were like that much higher or that much lower than you. They were basically going to be like similar scale to you. So it makes sense that they're level scaling for a game in which you can go in any direction at any, at at any, any time. time. Do any order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and even the multiplayer aspect, Kirk, I've super noticed that because I was like level zero and playing with friends who were level Kabillion. And I was like, wow, it's Mm -hmm. crazy that we're all playing together and it's going fine. And we're still getting the XP bonus of all playing together, but having totally different experiences. That part's fun. I, I don't know. I think maybe just the fact that I haven't yet had the experience of having a level up and being really excited to have the game actually feel different in some way is part of what's making the game feel less addictive, which is kind of a double-edged sword for me because I'm like, well, do I really want to be more addicted to Diablo? But also, that is kind of how it works, right? Like, you press the button for a treat and every now and then you get mm -hmm. the treat, but, like, you always press the button and, like, maybe sometimes you get zapped, but most of the time not 
nothing happens. Like that is, that's the point, right? Like I, I would like to occasionally get slightly more of a treat. However, I also know how much Diablo 3 changed post-launch and not even just immediately, like years post-launch, more and more stuff changed in that game. And it got better after I stopped playing. And I still am kind of sad that I missed out on some of those additional things that were added that I've heard are really cool. So in this game, I'm trying to be open-minded and be like, Diablo 4 is also probably going to change a lot after launch. These feelings I'm having now might completely change when somebody starts playing a barbarian in this game six months from now or a year from now. It might be a totally different set of circumstances that are better in some ways and worse than others. But for right now, I'm kind of like, this game is not very addictive. I am capable of walking away and having a healthy relationship with Diablo 4, which feels wrong somehow. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I, I didn't play a druid, but I just what you're the way you're describing the barbarian experience really lines up with what I've seen people saying. Um, and similarly, the druid which I think is incredible and really viable in Endgame, is just kind of mm. tough to level at first. You just don't feel very powerful, and it doesn't have that that moment, I think, where it snaps into place, or it just comes a little bit later. And yeah, I could see them changing it down the road so that maybe a little sooner you start to feel kind More of powerful. More people try it at first, yeah, because they you want to get hooked early on. I mean, you want to have that that cool Diablo feeling of like, oh my God, now that I have this axe, it's a completely different game. It's crazy now. That, and like I'm that looking feeling. forward to that because I'm only just starting to get unique items. And it the, the path for a character in this game is clearly you start your garbage, then you get a few <laughs> abilities and you become kind of viable. Then you get the bigger, like higher level abilities and you become like a really powerful sort of force just with all your abilities. And then you start to get unique items that, you know, are usually custom tailored to one ability. In my case, like I'll get a, you know, a ring that makes my fire shield even better. And I don't use fire shield. So I'm like, okay, well, that's not for me. But clearly in the end game, you start to chase, okay, I want the best roll on like that one pair of boots that makes this my favorite ability super, super good. And that's kind of the end game grind is like you're chasing these hyper specific items that make your specific build even more powerful. And I think that's also where aspects start to become a thing where you're stripping one aspect, you know, a, a special ability from one item and then gluing it onto another item so you can further customize your build. Mm -hmm. So I'm not to the item part really at all. I've only got a few unique items, but it's clear that that's where that's going. And that's also probably where I'll tap out of the game just because it's very similar to Destiny 2. I mean, this yeah. game feels a lot like Destiny in a lot oh, of yeah. ways. The way the open world moves, the way the quests all fit together, the whole just seamless way of playing it. Just the fact that it's this kind of really physically satisfying, fun, low engagement game that can get more and more intense if you want to get more intense about it. And then the loot grind of it. I mean, there, there will come a point where I'm like, okay... That's enough for me. I, I can't do this again. I can't really commit to this game. I'm going to go back and, and play Zelda and finish that <laughs> or, you know, play whatever other game. Mm -hmm. Maddie, uh, to your point, I don't think that it's possible to really be addicted uh, to this or any Diablo game until you start realizing what the loot actually means or until you get to a point where you're not just kind of mindlessly being like, okay, the green arrow goes up, so I'm going to swap in this loot. Because yep. you get to a point where you're actually making decisions and you're getting excited because you found a unique or you found a set piece that'll fit with your set or that you could trade to someone else for a set piece. And like when you get into that loot grind, I mean, right now it's like you're playing a slot machine, but like it's all questions 
question mark. So you're just like, yeah, what, yeah, yeah. Like, what is this? But when you get to the point <laughs> when you start to recognize the symbols and you're like, oh, okay, this is what I'm hunting for. And you get that endorphin rush when it, when it drops for you, that's when mm-hmm. it becomes addictive. So if you want to remain in this point of like not being hooked on Diablo 4, <laughs> but now having is a good, good time. time to stop. Like I don't yeah. want it to sound like I'm not having fun because I actually really am. And definitely, I talked about this in the beta too, but the multiplayer being so accessible regardless of level is great i mean again very destiny and also just the the way that this game is going to work where it has a sort of battle pass like system with seasons and rewards that are time-based like i get it (laughs) i get that this is more of an mmo than any previous diablo and that that is a danger for me if like all my friends get really into it and then that becomes the only game i play for a while i don't think that would happen to any of us again in quite the same way as the destiny days but i am like okay yeah this is a specific kind of treadmill that i i can enjoy um and i so i don't want people to think like oh just because i'm not having those game-breaking moments with barbarian i'm not having a good time i am having like a good social time but i also feel like i'm not going to have that much trouble stepping off the treadmill when i get to the end game section where they're like you need to participate in world events at specific times of day and dates and like do like wow world of warcraft-esque uh multiplayer challenges like in order to advance further in this game and like get really into min maxing and like just trying and trying for one specific piece of loot i'm never gonna be that person (laughs) right no having done that before and chased gallerhorn or whatever like i don't i don't really have space for that in my life anymore can we actually talk a little bit more about the story because that i do want to see through yeah i was about to say unlike other games of this nature it seems this is like they put a lot of effort into making the narrative compelling on your first time through like so you could enjoy this as just like a a one-shot campaign experience without having to worry about all the live service stuff which is kind of neat because usually Diablo, I mean, I would always, I liked the cutscenes in Diablo 3. I know people kind of made fun of that story. It's really campy. It's corny, but I enjoyed it. I always was kind of sad when my friends got to the phase of like, we need to skip every single one as fast as we possibly can. And I was like, I want to watch them again. So I'm enjoying this one even more because I'm like, they tried. There's like actual stuff They tried. On. Well, they tried and I think they made some smart decisions. Like I think that narratively this is much stronger than Diablo 3 because yeah. Diablo 3 had a diffuse nature to it because there were different bad guys regularly like you'd be kind of fighting yeah. a different primeval I guess it was that would rise up. And so there wasn't really a sense of continuity through the story. Your character was really ill-defined, which is okay for this kind of a game. Your character mm-hmm. in Diablo 4 is better defined. I'd say the voice acting is pretty good, but they're still kind of a, a cipher. They just are there to kind of help and kill stuff, and that's about as far as it goes. But there is, first off, there's this main guy. What's his name? Lou, it begins with an L. The guy that Lor- you meet Lorath, at the beginning. Lorathar, or something like that. Lorath sounds Lorath, right. Something like yeah. that. Um, so he is kind of a recurring character throughout, voiced fantastically, great voice actor, and just like a charismatic presence that there wasn't really anyone like that in Diablo 3 that struck yeah. me the same way. But then Lilith is this crucial character. Like she is the axis around which the whole story revolves because she is like the antagonist you're chasing after her the entire time and you're witnessing these great cutscenes of this just incredible you know 
like nine foot tall demon lady showing up and wrecking shit as she attempts to sort of, well, who knows, just bring hell back to sanctuary. And Mm -hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm into it. I'm following what's going on. I'm aware of the fact that like she and Inarius, the angel created sanctuary and it's kind of was a place in between the conflict between heaven and hell. And like, it's really simple stuff, but I can at least kind of tell you the stakes and what's going on. And when there's a new big plot twist, which there have been a few, like a big plot development, I'm following it. Like, and I'm like, okay, I want to know what happens next. Sure, I'll go to the next, you know, little uh, golden number on my map that shows me the next act. <laughs> They've really ramped up the in-game cutscenes and like cinematics and like the oh, yeah. points. There are points when like the camera zooms down and you have third-person conversations rather than just having the isometric view, which is a, a huge, huge difference um, from previous Diablo games. Yeah, I would say it's not as dramatic having played a lot more. Like, it's not that dramatic of a change. Like, it pulls in, you get a little bit more. There are some cutscenes where the animation work, they've really just put in the time to make things, like, really bespoke and beautifully animated. But largely it does... It's not that dramatically different from just watching an older style, like top down thing. They, they front load a lot, Jason. The oh, like okay. in the stuff I was we played say, in the beta. Even even the beginning, that first scene where they're like dragging you along, that is so, so that cool. scene. But there has not, at least for me, there, there hasn't, hasn't been, been anything, anything else, else like on that, that okay. level where Got like it. a Got lot it. of stuff is happening to my character, and I'm seeing them do unique animations. Like mostly, I'm just standing there, and then some guy talks. There was a recent time where. A guy dragged a body while talking to me. He t- he's pulled a like poleaxe out of the body and set it down on the ground, and then dragged the body. And as the body dragged over the like poleaxe that was on the ground, its foot like hit the weapon and kind of pushed it a little bit on the ground. And I was like, oh man, that must have been a huge pain in the ass for some animator <laughs> to get those two objects to collide and move. So there's some stuff like that, but there hasn't. It's not super uh, transformative overall. Gotcha. It's still cool though that their narrative is just neat. It's fun. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah. campy and, and gross and bloody and uh, just just bleak and good. Yeah, I'm really digging it. I. I wish it were even campier because that's always my favorite part of Diablo. And anytime I'm talking to somebody, it's usually like in the side quest and the stuff that isn't part of the main story where it's like it almost gets a little too serious. And I'm like, I don't want to think about how bad your life actually is living in the day to day world, like the the lives of the farmers that Kirk describes. I wanted to just be bombastic metal band stuff, which is partially me saying that so that we could do Kirk's reference to metal bands because I don't <laughs> want us to forget about this because I think about this every time I play a Diablo game as metal band titles like Skull Pile. That's just fun to say. That should be mm-hmm. the name of a band. That's... Yeah, I do have a game that I want to play, and it is. <laughs> I think the distinction between heavy metal and black metal, which of course yes. is something that people could argue Hotly about forever, contested. <laughs> it is kind of a distinction, a broadly uh, distinction worth thinking about this game because I actually just really like the tone of this game. I don't mm-hmm. want it to be campier. Like I, I don't think it needs okay. to be more silly. Lilith is just in terms of character design this fabulously bleak, campy, ridiculous mm-hmm. figure. But the overall story has a lot of tragedy. There's a lot of just like horrible stuff that happens. It just ends a lot of times with some like someone just crying over a dead loved one as your protagonist just sort of wordlessly walks away because there's nothing yeah. for it. And I kind of like it's very tonally consistent in a way that I appreciate. And I don't need any more like actual, you know, demon rises up with fire with like heavy metal guitars and stuff. Like it's not quite on that level. It's a little more um a little more black metal, a little more Sturm and Drang and I'm okay with that. So um I have this game I want to play and this is a, I'm going to quiz the two of you. And the game we're going to play is Black Metal Band 
or Diablo 4 side quest name. And this uh, was prompted by me looking at my list of side quests and being like, holy crap, <laughs> like, probably 70% of these could be black metal bands. So we are going to go one by one. I'll just, I'll just pick, I'll, I'll pick one of you and then the other one. And I'm going to okay. say a name and you have to tell me whether you think it is a black metal band or a Diablo 4 side quest. Maddie, you're going to be first. Great. Ravenous Dead. Uh, I think that's a side quest. That is, you are correct. That's a side quest. Yes. Jason, Beastcraft. <laughs> I think that's a side quest too. That is a Norwegian heavy metal duo, <laughs> black metal duo. Norwegian mm. metal duo, unfortunately. Mm. Um, Maddie, Blood Sermon. I'm going to go side quest again. That is a side quest. Okay. Correct. Um, we should be keeping score. Maddie these should has all be two. band names, also though, is the thing. Uh, yes, gotten, and I, I should say that any so of these. Far. Jason has zero. <laughs> right, and some of these might be band names. For all I know, <laughs> Rabbit is Dead is a band somewhere um, that just wasn't on Wikipedia. Okay, Jason, you're up. Cleansing Flame. <laughs> Side quest. Correct. That's one for that's one for Jason. Maddie, the funeral pyre. I'm going to just say band, because I said That's side band. twice in a row. You're correct. That's a California oh black metal Great. band. The Funeral <laughs> Pyre. Jason, Adorned Brood. That sounds like a metal band. You're correct. That is a, a German black metal band. All right, Maddie. Road to Ruin. Side quest. Correct. It's a side quest. Jason, Faith in Blood. That sounds like a metal band. No, that is a that is a side quest in Diablo Four, but that would be a pretty sweet name for it. They all for would a, be for a metal band. All right, Maddie, we've got a few more. Maddie, <laughs> ancient rites. Side quest. No, that is a Belgian black metal band. <laughs> and finally, Jason, pyre of ash. Side quest. Yes, that is a side quest. Correct. Um, I think that puts that puts Maddie in the front overall. But, it's um, very close by my count. <laughs> we're all winners because we get to play a game that is metal <laughs> as Diablo. Everyone 4. is a winner because the listeners will be creating those bands immediately upon listening to this. Episode. Yes, and or emailing me to be like, um, actually, Road to Ruin is a well-known black metal band from Maryland. <laughs> I can't believe you didn't know that. <laughs> Great, good. That should happen. All right. Well, let's take a break, and we'll be back with one more thing. Greatest Trek is the podcast for all your modern Star Trek needs. It's funny, informative, and now it's also timely. That's because every Friday, right after the release of a new episode of Strange New Worlds, Picard, Lower Decks, Discovery, or Prodigy, we bring you a review of that episode. There's some great new Star Trek coming up, and we're going to cover all of it. You'll like our show because we're both former video producers, so we bring a lot of insight into the production and filmmaking aspects to these episodes. And we also have a very refined sense of humor, so we make lots of delightful fart jokes along the way. So come see why Greatest Trek is one of the most popular television recap podcasts on all of the internet. Subscribe to Greatest Trek at MaximumFun.org or in the podcast app you're using right now. Hey there, this is Drea Clark. 
This is Alonzo Duralde. And this is Sparta. Iffy. Listen, I got 300 on the brain. We just watched the movie 300 in honor of our 300th episode of Maximum Film. That's right. And to celebrate this major milestone, we brought back original co-hosts Ricky Carmona and April Wolf. But just for this one episode, right? Oh, Iffy, you know we could never replace you. Some of the voices have changed over the years. Heck, the name of the show has changed too. But through it all, Maximum Film remains the movie podcast that isn't just a bunch of straight white guys deal with it find this and all 300 episodes of maximum film anytime on maximumfun.org we are back for one more thing jason why don't you go first my one more thing is the driving crooner uh, who goes around <laughs> town and is trying to figure out how to make money off this thing because it's so good. He has to make money off such of it. Such a good idea. Um, it's such a good idea. <laughs> he has to. He really wants to figure out how to make money off this thing. There are thing. people out there trying to kill him, though. <laughs> that is true. Those frat boys, <laughs> frat boys are trying to kill him. I'm going to kill you, driving crooner. Um <laughs> If you if you ha- don't know what I'm talking about, you should of course watch the TV show I Think You Should Leave, which just aired its third season last week on Netflix. It's all on there. It's a very fast watch. It is a sketch show by Tim Robinson, and you've probably heard of it or and or seen all the memes floating around the internet. The guy in the hot dog costume, the guy uh, in the driving uh, focus group uh, talking about cars and uh, uh, whatnot, and saying you have to mm-hmm. marry your mother-in-law. Um, You've definitely seen a reference or two on the internet, and you should just go watch it because it is as brilliant as ever. This new season I've watched through twice already because it is fantastic. It's um, so as good. Always, I was like so worried that, it wouldn't be as good somehow. I know, but then me it was too. Amazing. But no, it lives up. And and like as <laughs> always, all, all three seasons there are like hit or miss catches, and there's some that like of don't course. work, but they're so quick that you just like forget about them. And it's not like like every single episode, which is each episode is like 15 minutes long, and every single one has at least one just banger sketch in there. Um, there's this incredible one about a guy playing a game where he has to feed eggs to small eggs to a bigger egg and uh (laughs) the results are incredible (laughs) and uh yeah just a couple others this one has some amazing guest stars also will forte has a great one tim heidecker is one of my favorite uh appearances in a fantastic fantastic sketch about uh (laughs) well let's just say he plays a, a heart doctor and yeah, I mean, everyone should just go watch it. Go watch I Think You Should Leave. The new season is great. And uh, I really, I only came onto this podcast for the zipline. I'm not going to lie. I'm just here for the zipline. <laughs> I'm just here for the zipline. Oh, zip my line. God. Kirk, nice. I feel like you haven't watched it yet because you, no. you aren't laughing hard enough at these cool bits. I mean, I can basically imagine uh, the <laughs> I Think You Should Leave skit for each of these things you're saying. But no, I have not watched yet, but I very mm-hmm. much look forward to it. But of course, the what you're imagining is completely different from the pure, unhinged absurdity yes. of whatever the insanity, yeah. actually yeah. happens in them. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk, what are you what are you up to? Well, Emily and I just finished watching a show called Mrs. Davis that was wild and that I really enjoyed. Um, and I wanted to recommend it to people because I'm sure some people know about it or have seen articles about it. But it did kind of come and go. Uh, so I wanted to to just say that I watched it and really liked it. So this is a limited series, a one-off single series show that aired on Peacock. It was co-created by Tara Hernandez, who was one of the people responsible for The Big Bang Theory, a show that I really don't like, (laughs) and Damon Lindelof, who is one of the people responsible for, most recently, Watchmen and The Leftovers, two shows that I really did like. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it stars Benny, Betty Gilpin, from who I know from um, Glow, the wrestling show on Netflix. She was amazing on that show. She's been in other stuff as well, um, but that's what I know her from. And she is the lead. She plays, um, I guess her name is Simone, though she has two different names. She but she names. is a. Yeah. Because yeah, you, you watched this, Maddie. Did you finish this show? We're halfway through it. We, okay, cool. We have not yet finished it, but we are really enjoying it. Okay. Um, so it's, yeah, she plays a Sister Simone, a nun on a mission. And that mission is sort of unclear at the beginning. She is sort of spending her days catching magicians who have gone rogue and are using their magician skills to swindle people. But also she lives in a world where an artificial intelligence, sort of like Siri or, you know, like we could imagine maybe a generative AI in the future to be, has united all of humanity. And the artificial intelligence is called Mrs. Davis. And most people just walk around with these little earpieces and they're constantly hearing Mrs. Davis in their ears. And Mrs. Davis has basically brought about world peace and equality and sort of created a new world order that... The world still looks a lot like the current world. Like It's not all that different. But we actually don't see that much of it because we're seeing a lot of it through Simone's viewpoint. And soon, Simone, who hates Mrs. Davis and wants to destroy her, has never interacted with the artificial intelligence once, is on a mission, um, sort of reluctantly at the behest of Mrs. Davis to find the Holy Grail. And man, it gets crazy fast. So <laughs> it really does. The thing, the thing about this show, <laughs> Jason's I face. saw... I'm enjoying it. I, I, like, I want to take off my headphones because I don't want to hear anything about it. I want to just watch it. I won't. I, nothing I could say it's could ruin it. It's unspoilable. It's unspoilable. I never know. Like, yeah. the twists and turns. It's wild. Um, <laughs> as uh, the TV critic, the NPR TV critic Linda Holmes described it as, I'm paraphrasing here, basically a show that goes flying through absolute madness and chaos all the way to the finale where it somehow pirouettes to the end and lands in front of you like, ta-da! <laughs> Which... A perfect description of this show. You will be watching this show if you watch it and just be thinking, what the fuck am I watching? (laughs) Like, it really is a lot of times just like, it's just banana stuff. I mean, sometimes it feels a little bit like Coen Brothers, Raising Arizona, or the more absurdist sections of Big Lebowski. It's got that kind of Uh desert, hallucinated California vibe. Other times it, I don't know what it is. It can mm-hmm. be very gory, very surprising. It's surprisingly spiritual. It really yeah, actually engages I, we're halfway with, through, and we keep being like, what is this show's take on religion? What is it trying to say? I may never know. <laughs> Which is always true about Lindelof stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. Well, and especially here, because Simone has an actual relationship with Jesus Christ. Yes. Um, and, like, it is explored in a He's way... He's a character, Jason. He's on the show. <laughs> and, so, and it's explored in a way that is, like, yeah, you don't come away being like, oh, I clearly they were trying to say this or that like which I really like like you, it just cool. it's not so like easy that. to pin down because as it is the show and this isn't a spoiler it's just very much about the idea of worshipping technology like this AI that everyone does what it tells them to do and uniting that with the idea of religious worship but not in necessarily a way that's critical of either viewpoint it's actually pretty compassionate towards like every way of looking at the world, which surprises me every time I watch. Because when I started, I was like, is this going to be a show that like hates technology? And I I don't know. I just it keeps you guessing. And I'm curious how it's going to end. Well, it does. And it's yeah, it is compassionate. It's so much more concerned with just having a good time and Mm -hmm. showing you unexpected, sometimes beautiful, sometimes surprising things. There's a sequence with pianos early on. that was just this incredibly beautiful image that wasn't really narratively like it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I just found it's really beautiful. And I was like, wow, someone had this idea. And then they made it happen. And there's no like villain. There's no clear antagonist. Sounds like Mm. that boat episode of The Leftovers. It definitely has a lot of leftovers and a lot of Watchmen. 
And um, it also just has its own funky, weird sense of humor. And I just really recommend it. I mean, it begins and it ends. It has a very satisfying conclusion. Mm-hmm. Betty Gilpin is incredible. She's a star. She's so like good. She should just be in everything. Um, and yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And just, oh, man. This is it's exciting. so different from everything else that I've been watching. It is different from anything else ever. It's its own thing. And so I really recommend it. I'm glad it's a limited series, too, because that works really well for Watchmen. Yeah, just eight episodes, ten, yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah eight or somewhere in there. And yeah, it's similar to Watchmen, where you can just watch it, and then it ends, and they're not mm-hmm. going to make any more. And that get, lets it have an ending, which is really cool. So yeah, yeah. Mrs. Davis, it's on Peacock. It's really Damon good. Damon Lindelof learned, learned from Lost with all these shows. <laughs> oh my like, god, yeah. Learning how to, how to end a show. Um, and of course, we should mention that big story about Lost just dropped a few days ago. Uh, we yeah, can link we that all read the it. It's uh, about yeah. Lindelof and worth reading if you're going to engage with Lindelof stuff mm-hmm. these days. Um, yeah, it's just worth reading. It's cool that he's working with seemingly different people now. And I mm-hmm. didn't realize that the woman who worked on this also worked on Big Bang Theory. That's like really cool, actually, that That's she's funny. doing something totally different now. Um, anyway, I'll go next. Uh, so... I saw Across the Spider-Verse, a movie in cinemas. I it saw it too. Great. <laughs> it was so good. I loved it. Was it was <laughs> so freaking good. Um, yeah. I love Into the Spider-Verse, the first one. I've seen it a billion times. I think I watched Same. it three times in cinemas alone and then watched it a million more times. This movie might be even better or maybe not. I don't know. I'm obsessed with it. I love it. Uh, I will say, though, I wish someone had told me that it would end on a cliffhanger. So I'm telling you, the listener, that it ends Mm -hmm. on a cliffhanger and that Mm. the next one is out next year. And I don't mind when things end on a cliffhanger. I just like to know. I kind of loved it. But I knew going in that that was. Yeah, I I just like to know. I feel like I wouldn't have been as weirded Mm -hmm. out by it because in the theater, I was like. I wasn't literally looking at my watch, but I was like proverbially <laughs> was, looking at my watch. And I was like, they're not going to wrap this up. Like a comes lot a point, is right, occurring. That's what I was wondering. Because <laughs> like, there comes a, a point where it's like, oh, we're working toward a cliffhanger here. This is not mm, all going to get tied up yeah. because I've been here for two and a half hours. Yeah, I was more just like overwhelmed and like worried. I was like, are they going to try to tie this up in a neat yeah. way? Like that sounds terrible. Like they're going to whiff this. And then it just ends. And I was like, okay, I'm kind of relieved, <laughs> but mm. also surprised. because I Great ending know too. Happening. It is a great ending. It's, like, they it's pulled a matrix, great. a matrix to killer cliffhanger. Yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully a slightly more accessible and understandable <laughs> plot than The Matrix 2. Uh, but I really dug it. I It's also like a movie about making movies and a story about telling stories. And I'm always way, way into that kind of thing. I really uh-huh. like it when the characters have the chance to be like, what's up with stories, man? I guess I guess mm-hmm. we like telling them and like having having specific beats that we do in our lives that relate to who we are as a person. And isn't that weird? And the characters all kind of have that as their arc, each of them in their own way. And uh, yeah, I loved it. Across the Spider-Verse, go see it. It's incredible. The music, yeah. the animation, ah, yeah. so good. I loved it. Awesome. Lord and Miller, the, it's so the, they wrote this anyways, the creators of the Lego movie that yeah. made this. And this is very in that lineage where it's kind of about the thing that it's about, you know, where the characters are sort of self-aware in the same way that Into the Spider-Verse yeah. was. And like, they're all kind of aware of comic books as a concept like just just yeah. off screen it's mm-hmm. it's really neat uh good movie it is artistically bananas to underline oh that like the artists were let off the chain in this movie it is like there are sequences where 
it's not for any reason. It's just like people are having an emotional reaction and it literally becomes abstract art behind them. And the mm-hmm. character is just standing there while like colors and shapes move around to illustrate how they're feeling. And it almost feels like a music video. It's so visually incredible and overwhelming. I want to see it again tomorrow just because I need more time to process everything that's happening on screen. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. It's It yeah. also has so many jokes that I've like seen people tweeting that I'm like, I missed that because yep. it's so full of the little text everything? things on the screen yeah, that pop up there for two seconds and it's like something and I'm like wait I couldn't even read that because there's eight other visual <laughs> yeah. jokes happening at the same time yeah it's great it's great stuff um so that has been another episode of our show I'm gonna go it has been create a sorceress I guess and I just see how that goes for me oh man I want to hear how it goes it's pretty fun just stick with it, it until shot. you until you get the exploding enemies I've also, I heard necromancer is super yeah, fun yeah necromancer seems yes, really cool fun. as well so we'll, well and we'll you see. like playing if you like playing melee and range rogue is super fun too like it's a great a great class and a fun solo class. I'm gonna try some other classes I feel like it's yeah. time I gotta I gotta mm-hmm. branch out it's fun branch, to branch out of that new skill tree uh so that's our wrap we did it again folks uh yeah, we we'll see you all next week yeah see you next week yeah from summer games fest yeah bye triple click is produced by jason schreier maddie myers and me kirk hamilton i edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music our show art is by tom dj Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes. TripleClick is a proud member of the Maximum Fun Podcast Network, and if you like our show, we hope you'll consider supporting us by becoming a member at MaximumFun.org slash join. Find us on Twitter at TripleClickPod, send email to TripleClick at MaximumFun.org, and find a link to our Discord in the show notes. Thanks for listening. See you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.